1: Hi, this is Stratus Morfogan. So excited to be on Hollywood Raw Podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about everything. We're going to be talking about a celebrity that dropped $700,000 on a credit card in my restaurant, to fun stories in the private dining room, to how we dealt with the mob. You know, I'm really excited to be on the show, and thank you. Hey, everybody, it's Tony Robbins.
0: Hey, guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw Podcast. You're
1: watching Hollywood Raw. You're
0: listening to, and watching... What up? Whoa! Sorry, that was. I was gonna say, buddy and man in the same. So it was like, what's a buddy man?
2: Welcome to the Hollywood Raw Podcast. Uh, we got. Have we had someone? I don't think we've ever had a restaurant tour. I don't think
0: so. Podcast before we've done over two.
2: How many episodes have we done?
0: Dude, I don't even know. We I, something like something like a lot. That's where yeah. we're at. <laughs>
2: A lot of episodes, um, and it's uh, we're we're plowing through them. But today we got a guy who is a celebrity restaurateur who, you know, has really came up to one of the biggest restaurants in Manhattan and big celeb spots. And he's got a new book, and we're going to get a little bit. Well, of- every,
0: everyone knows what Philippe Chow is, and he is the man behind Philippe Chow. He's the man behind a lot of big restaurants. But, you know, it's like rarely do you get a spot where it's celebrity filled every single night. And he's done that over and over and over again with every restaurant that he's had a hand in. So the guy's got stories for days. You know he has stories about celebs. Uh, you know. And he wrote a book, which I think is a smart, smart thing. You write a book and kind of talk about your adventures with celebrities. And he's the kind of guy that has, you know, in the, his restaurant, the private room, you know, and... What happens in the private room? That's what I want to ask. I want to see what the hell goes down in these private rooms.
2: Yeah, I went to Philippe Chow once. I couldn't go during dinner. No, I've actually been there for dinner and I was there for lunch once. Um, it was uh I went yeah, I went for like a long lunch. I went there and dinner and it was a good vibe. Like it, it it was sexy, it was cool, it was nice. Like it's 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 definitely unique. Um mm-hmm. food was good pricey expensive i can't go you know like so but it's it's good stuff (laughs) Uh, i remember uh, i'm telling you everyone went to this place and he's opened up other spots too he's very very successful before we get to him um we actually read your reviews yeah we read them and when we do we say we're gonna read them live on the air um it's the best thing you do to uh, for us to show you some love because Uh, we don't ask for money. We're not a Patreon. So if you just leave us a review, five-star, say a few kind words. We'll actually give you a shout-out on the podcast. Um, Dax, how do people do that?
0: Uh, So they go over to iTunes, uh, find Hollywood Raw, scroll all the way down to the bottom, past our episodes, and there will be a spot that says reviews. Go ahead and uh, leave us a five-star review. And then if you can, take the extra two seconds and write us something because we like to Again, show you love for showing us love by reading one of your reviews on air. So let me just go ahead, get to one right here. This one says, from Susan B45 LK, wow, new to me, you guys are, dot, dot, dot. And so it's five stars, says awesome. I had never heard of you until Juicy Scoop. I just heard of you yesterday. Binge, listened, subscribed, and already hooked. Great stories, great interviews, great guests. Thanks. Dude, Susan. Thank Susan, you.
2: Okay, thank you, Dex. Tell me another
0: <laughs> All right, let's do another one here. This one's from J 75 New find and love, five stars. Just discovered this podcast when they guested on Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald. And so happy I did. Great reporting. Love the trial and celeb coverage. Everything I love to listen to. Well, thank you, Susie. We appreciate it. It's so funny. There were so many... Reviews that came in after our our juicy scoop, like um, uh, what was that interview? I almost say interview when we guessed it on her show. I'm still trying to get through them. There's just it's like endless amounts of reviews from Juicy Scoop. So sorry if every week it sounds like we're just saying Juicy Scoop reviews, but we'll get through them. There's a lot, guys.
2: But guys, that's the best thing to do is. Uh, actually, leave your full name too. So, we don't give you like your screen name. You know, if you want to leave your full name, and then give us, you also leave your social security number and your credit card number. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we'll give you a really, really good shout out. So, make sure you do that. <laughs> uh, with that said, Dax, tell us about our guest today.
0: All right, today's a big one for us. Our guest today is an author and a restaurateur who created huge celebrity hotspots like Philippe Chow, Ju and is now involved in places like Brooklyn Chop House, Brooklyn Dumpling Shop, Papa's New York. It is Stratus Morfogan. Welcome to Hollywood Raw. Stratus, thank you so much for joining us. Excited to talk to you. Excited to talk to someone who is, you know, look, we're we're all about celebrity here, entertainment news. And I feel like I have reported on some of the restaurants that you've been involved with. So many times in my career, I mean, Philippe Chow, just in general, uh, you know, it's been one of the biggest celebrity hotspots of all time, along with Julan. So I want to like just jump right into it. You got a new book out. You referred to New York restaurants as having kind of like a, a mob influence. Can you explain what that exactly means? Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I have a 35-year career. Um, I had a bunch of restaurants, but yeah, I made my biggest mark with Philippe Chow in 2005 when I created it. And, um, but basically if you go back a little further, like 93, I had Gotham Diner and 94, I owned Rouge Nightclub. And that's where the problem started with the mob. I mean, we, um, you know, as restaurateurs, we've always had to deal with something, you know, that's why the book says from mob to mandates. I mean, I, I don't know which one was worse. And, um, at the end of the day, pre Giuliani is like how we call it in the hospitality industry. Cause he really did clean it up. Um, and what, what, what happened back then was, you know, you had to choose on what side of the fence you wanted to be on. Either they were going to be your partners or they were going to be your enemies. And, um, I had like a hybrid of both. I mm-hmm. told like guys like John Gotti Jr. To go fuck themselves. And that's something that just came natural to me. Um, but I did have the most powerful guys of the Genovese family in my back pocket. So as much as I want to say that I have balls, I did have people that were protecting me
0: and they were true. You had friends. a lot of balls also behind you, protecting you is what you're trying exactly. to
1: say. Exactly. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it's not like these mob movies that you read. My experience was these guys were my true friends. They started off as customers and then we became friends. And then when they started out, I was being shaken down by the thugs like Gotti Jr. and his thugs. You know, they, they were beating up my managers. They were they, they wanted a piece of my alcohol business. And this is like '93 and '94, and then it came to a point where you know I was part of this big sit-down between the Gambinos and the Genovese, and I'm just a kid from Garden City. And at the end of the day, I did have the most powerful guys behind me, and and you know, and for many years people would say Stratus mobbed up, Stratus this, and the truth is yes and no. I mean, I mean, I was, I was, I was it, 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 first friends, then they protected me, and then we went into business together uh, with Rouge Nightclub. And i don't regret any of it these are like the best guys you could have as partners as uh protection and as loyal friends and that's what the fbi never could understand when they used to try to like you know put me in front of a grand jury or harass me and knock on my door at five in the morning and show me pictures of me with barney belomo and ralph coppola and all these guys i'm like yeah they're my friends but the truth is they were my business partners and that happened through an attorney their attorney patty stissa was legitimately my partner and I knew, where the, I knew you know, where the money was probably coming from, but hey, as long as he wrote a check and we opened up a business together, you know, at the end of the day, I had this in my back pocket and it wasn't just the Gotti junior crew. I was, I was, you know, cause I kept it so quiet. I had, you know, a Jewish gangster from LA that tried to shake me down. I had a bunch of other like, you know, fly by night thugs trying to shake me down. As soon as they found out who I was around, well, they got their answer one way or the other. And you know, and all of this got cleaned up. I'd say in the late '90s.
2: So does that does any of that still exist today? Is that no. is there any, there's none of that mob kind of connection to any of the restaurants? No, the- not 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 like it was
1: in the in late '80s and '90s. It was a wild west. I mean, these this faction of John Gotti Jr. and his cohorts, the thugs that they are, they used to control like the whole East Side of Manhattan. If you had a business that was doing serious alcohol business. Well, they wanted their money, you know, they wanted and and everybody was paying them and and I just refused to pay them. So at first they started throwing black paint on my windows just to make me, you know, succumb to like giving them their five or ten thousand dollars a month. And then it had to come a point where I needed to get that thing out of my back pocket. And I went to my friends and I said, this is the problem I'm having. And believe me, one sit down dinner uh, wasn't even a dinner it was just like a drinks at Ferrier Bistro on 65th and Madison. Between the top guys of the Gambinos and my guys of Genovese, the thing was squashed in thirty minutes. And and, and you know what? The FBI and, and NYPD were just not around to help small business owners like us. This had to be ha- handled on the street. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I've been around these people's all my life because we were very big in the Fulton Fish Market. You know, in my book, I show my first lesson of discretion in a restaurant was Carlo Gambino, and I was six years old. You know, I went up to I went up to his table where he was with like seven of his capos and i walked in at six years old with you know chubby little bus boy with my water pitcher and i said hey mr gambino how are you doing and he's like what how does a six-year-old know my name you know the whole the whole table just really went from silent to laughing out loud and he goes come here kid how's school and i said school's good and he goes here's 20 bucks he puts it in my in my in my in my pocket and he goes high is good enough and you know that was like my first lesson in discretion and i got to tell you that was a great lesson because In 2009, I'm watching John Paulson have a private dinner at the basement of Philippe Chow, where he's doing a hostile takeover of Bank of America the next day. And I'm looking at the PowerPoint, you know, and discretion is part of our industry. You know, if you do it right, you'll, you'll have a really good business.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, you say that because you obviously have had so many celeb clientele uh, through all your different restaurant adventures. You know, what? Who was the first celeb to walk into one of your restaurants way back in the day?
1: Um. So, so a little background. I grew up in Garden City. The only celebrity I knew in 1992 and '93 was Susan Lucci. She was like my next door neighbor. You know, so I really didn't know celebrities. So fast forward in '94. And I had Mark Ronson DJing before he was known. I had David Blaine for 100 bucks a night doing magic tricks. So, you know, it was pretty cool. Like, I almost became Forrest Gumpish that I, I had these, like, future, like, superstars, you know, for 100 bucks a night. Uh, but I got to tell you, the big thing that happened to me was um, the night of Rouge opening was a dinner party for David Koch. And David Koch, the energy conglomerate, um, you know, he had Kissinger, Murdoch, everybody was in there. It was all black tie. And that was the pre-opening to my nightclub, so I, I my walkie-talkie. There was Nextel, but you know this is pre-internet. You know, brrr, come to the front. You got to make this call. And I walked in. I see a black guy with gold chains, and I see a blonde girl with a Yankee hat. And I look at them. I'm like, fuck no, they're not. They're not coming in. And what happened was the next day in the New York Post, it was on page six, but it was literally page two, and it had a picture of me going like this. And it says, new kid on the block rejects Tupac and Madonna. Oh And, 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 and I, want, I want to think that I I want to try to be cool, but I'm not. And, and at the end of the day, it was all by accident and mistake. I didn't recognize them because if I did, I would have brought them to the VIP room where I had well I was holding court, and it would have been great to hang out with them. but oh I didn't recognize God. them. You know I, I didn't I didn't recognize them. and I became all of a sudden this mysterious guy which I'm not. And uh, you know, who's this guy that rejects the hottest couple of the moment? So fast forward a few weeks later, Niall Rogers calls me and he says, yo, Madonna wants to come back. Are we cool? So I had to put it on hold because I had my office with like five people around me. And I'm like, whew, whew, fucked up so bad. I didn't understand <laughs> what press was. This was a really big thing. It was actually worked out for my club because yeah. not letting them in was like a huge thing. And it blew up my club. But here I am like hyperventilating. Oh, man. I... So I'm like, OK, put the phone up. Niall, as long as she dresses right, we're cool. <laughs> you know, deep breath, you know, and then she comes back with Sam Cassell. So Sam Cassell now is on the Houston Rockets, and he's playing the New York Knicks that week. And they're having like a weekend rendezvous, apparently, because the next thing I do, my next cell's going off a day later. And on Entertainment Tonight, uh, Sam Cassell's wife is throwing all his clothes out the second-story window of their Houston uh, suburban home <laughs> because the press came out that Sam had a rendezvous with Madonna that weekend. And it was at Club Rouge. So I was like, I, I became like the accidental public, you know, PR guy. You know, this was That's, all by accident. That and, is uh,
0: so funny. And then,
1: for, and then from there on, like, I talk about my book, Be a Disruptor. You know, everybody from Jack Nicholson, Liza Minnelli, Oliver Stone. And I had to stop Oliver Stone from Charlie Sheen from having a fight. Something about platoon. They left off on bad terms. You know, I had to pull Charlie Sheen out. He came with a dentist. And the, the joke was just to keep his jaws from not grinding. Because, you know, it was, it was a lot of cocaine. Uh, you know, uh, there was a there was a famous party at my apartment after hours where they wrote the word Van Halen in cocaine. And each letter was like a foot long. And I went <laughs> to sleep on the first end. And I woke up seven hours later on the second end. You know, with, with Van Halen. And, you know, and that was like Jack Nicholson, Liza Minnelli, Slash. And all of a sudden, you know, I became like you know an accidental celebrity kind of magnet, but I'm also very careful with my celebs. Like, you know, when I opened up fully chow, I, I just gotten married and I'm in Mykonos for my honeymoon. And I get a call from uh, in, the inquirer. I said we're offering you a million dollars for the tape of this. I still will never mention mentioned his name, but you might figure it out. This hip hop magnet, having sex on the table with a Hollywood starlet. And we know you have the video. And I said, only video I could have was from the security cameras. So I'm in Greece, and I call my GM, and I said, go on the security cameras. And he's like, oh, yeah, they were, they were having dinner last night in the private room. I said, go back and tell me what you see. And he's like, Eddie has like a real heavy accent. He's like, Mr. Wolfgang, I, I, I can't even look at this. They're, they're, they're having sex on the table. I said, <laughs> Eddie, do me a favor. Uh, totally delete it and wi- wipe it off the server. Because you know what? For a million dollars, I'm not doing it. And, and at the end of the day, they offered me a million dollars for that tape, And it was like hip hop and Hollywood royalty. And I, that's where I draw the line. As much as I enjoy the celebrity press and all that, I, I'm very protective. And I don't know how many tours would have shut down a million dollars in 2007. Well, yeah.
0: it probably would have stopped all celebrities coming to any of your restaurants uh, uh, moving you know forward. What?
1: And they're still my customers today because they know what I did.
0: Yeah, that's
2: amazing. Dax, hip hop royalty in Hollywood, Charlotte.
0: <laughs> oh, I am, I am going through my, my, gank in my head. Uh, <laughs> you know, that... so
1: so what happened there when I opened Philippe Chow, The, the what really put Philippe Chow on the mat was Jay Z. I mean, Jay was there with Bob Johnson, Kobe Bryant, and Magic Johnson the first week I opened. I I heard him singing to like the Grateful Dead because. The music that I played is pretty cool. It's like Grateful Dead to Pink Floyd to the Bee Gees. There's no rhyme or reason. Just cool music of all genres. And there's like hip-hop legend, you know, Jay-Z singing Ripple by the Grateful Dead. And I'm like, that is so fucking cool. That You know, he understands the dead because I'm a deadhead. Yeah. yeah. And and he said to me, well, I'm going to do something really cool for you. I love this place. And what happened was six months later, he came out with the song, When the Money's Gone, I Can Die Now. I have a reservation at Philippe. And then the whole restaurant just exploded because I have my wife on one side, who's number four at Vogue magazine. So I've got the whole Met Ball, you know, uh, coming as the after party. And now I've got hip hop royalty. And now I'm in rap songs. And now, you know, from there, I went from she's thinking Philippe. I'm thinking Wingstop, Pop Cristal, Felipe. They added Felipe. I don't know where they got that from. But but (laughs) it, it became like a cultural phenomenon. And I was truly appreciative. And then when I sold Philippe in 2014, I teamed up with more music royalty with Don Poo Cummings. And I took, you know, I used to say Philippe is kindergarten. Brooklyn Chop House is Columbia grad. I mixed like Steakhouse with that great Chinese food. And we call it LSD, Lobster Steak and Duck. Well, so we're going to get into all this.
2: I want to get into this. I want to slow it down a little bit. So Philippe, when you opened Philippe, how did you? So you're saying Jay Z came the first week. How did Jay Z? How did you get that? How did you get those guys to come in the door the first week?
1: Well, the rumor was out that the chef of Mr. Chow left, and and you know if you ever went to Mr. Chow, the service was really nasty, the the lights were super bright, there was no music, so right off the bat we started getting a lot of press that the chef of Mr. Chow left, and opened up Philippe Chow with me, and you know music and sports is what really kept Mr. Chow open. And, you know, they just flocked to us and they just saw a cooler experience. And, uh, you know, I think we were in 30 hip hop tracks and uh, wow. and it just didn't stop there. My wife was pretty powerful in fashion um, as senior accessories director at Vogue. So, you know, we had the after we had the, we had the after party for the Met Ball for like five years in a row. We had wow. Karl Lagerfeld as a host, you know, every time Anna did a party, it was like, who's who? It was David Bowie, Mick Jagger, Bono you name it, you know, a little 15 year old girl. That was my, my, my friend for the night named Taylor. You know? And I said, what do you do? Taylor? She's like, Oh, I'm an artist. I said, do you have an album out or anything? She's like, no, but my album comes out in a few months and I'm like, well, good luck with that. You know, it's Taylor
0: Swift. Do you you ever get nervous around any celebs at this point? Is there anyone that could walk through your door that you would actually be impressed with?
1: Uh, I don't, you know, I really don't. I'm, um, i i don't it doesn't come from like you know like like an ego area i mean i fed every president you know i I can call them i even call president gore president gore and he starts laughing and i said you were president one day more than i was you know so (laughs) it's you know i i I really don't and i guess that's what maybe draws them to me is Mm because i just you know I, i always make sure they get a great take, but i do that for a lot of people
2: are they So when you get these celebrities, I mean, how does it work with
1: you? Uh, are they expecting free meals and handouts? Or... It'll never happen. So, uh, I mean, the only celebrities that think they should get some kind of privilege are the housekeepers of, you know, of New York, the housekeepers of Beverly Hills. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Did I say housekeepers? Uh, housewives of Beverly Hills and New York. Those are the ones that think that they're owed something. And I, I basically make, make it very clear they're paying for everything. I don't do that. And you know what? The coolest thing I've got in my scrapbook is I take their credit card uh, receipt with their order, and they obviously they sign their credit card, and I use that as my scrapbook to give to my great-grandkids one day that they could have presidents, Roger Waters, Mick Jagger, Oprah Winfrey, all the big ones. You, know, you see the last four digits of their credit card. You know what they ate, and they signed it. I think that's cool. The cool- I think that's the coolest thing. I would have loved to see what Kennedy ate at a dinner. That is, you know, okay
0: what what is the biggest receipt you have in that that book of yours of the autograph book
1: on celebrity power
0: no i want to know the biggest like the, the the money amount the biggest amount on you're, one of you're, those you're, bills.
1: You're, you're you're ready for this yeah. michael bloomberg seven hundred thousand dollars oh my god
0: <laughs> seven hundred thousand dollars for one meal what You know what he
1: he had me cater his employee appreciation party and he paid it with a credit card and it was 770 grand. Oh my God. He he has it at Randall's Island and he loved my food so much. He wanted me to cater it. And I I, I was one of like five caterers for like 10,000 people. These were all his employees. I I, I did that for five years in a row. And with that, I have a handwritten letter that he would write me how great everything was. And that's with the receipt.
2: So wow. Bloomberg throw for his network throws a really big party for a twelve example, million
1: dollar like, budget, and he does it yeah. at the end of July every year.
2: Yeah, it's they're like known for
1: like this like a ploy appreciation day, Insane. and they I guess that's Insane. incredible. We did Who? lobster, we did lobster and crab legs uh, with one hundred and twenty employees on a grill, and it was a tractor trailer full of lobster and crab legs. <laughs> <laughs> And when the bill came, he just came to the restaurant to have dinner. And he goes, oh, give me the bill. And I'm like, you know, and he just put it on his credit card. Jeez.
0: That's crazy.
2: Do you get wow. nervous, though, when you have some of these celebrities in the restaurant? Because you want them to have a good experience. They're, they're It's built up. They're coming to, you know, at the time, Philippe Chow. Everyone's going there. And you want to make not sure. Not anymore. They-
1: they're all coming to Brooklyn Chop House. Well, they are going. And I, I will say that because
2: <laughs> I actually did a shot there not too long ago with Wendy Williams.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. Wendy's been one of our biggest supporters, but yeah. the grand the grand opening was so special at the Times Square location. Fat Joe and Mary J. got up and did like an eight song concert. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, it's I, I saw that, and uh, it's uh, here's the thing about Philippe though. And let me tell me if I'm wrong here, but I was told, and again, I used to cover Philippe a lot because I was there. You know, I started doing what I do as a video journalist, a guy on the streets running around with a camera in 2010. And I was there, I guess, during your uh, your time, and it was a popular spot because right next door was Seraphina. So uh, Seraphina, A Rod was always there. I remember that was the first time I saw Lady Gaga was at Seraphina. So between Philippe and Seraphina, I mean, it was just two great places. Was there a room at Philippe Chow like the private room there? Were the were they allowed to smoke weed there?
1: Yeah, um, the the private rooms is where that video that i was telling you about those private rooms that they had well i talk about it a lot in my book but i i I, with discretion but you know that that private room boy oh boy the stories in that room uh in the basement and i can just tell you some of the recipients like oscar de la Hoya. that was his weekly thing uh you know it it was pretty crazy down there and then we'd have poker games on monday night where we would be like you know everybody from the knicks to the la lakers and You know, they would all come down there like almost seven feet and they go into a six foot eight room, um, you know, crouching down and we'd have our poker games. So that, that room was uh, pretty, um, uh, boy, oh boy, you could write a few books out of that room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: I remember Rick Ross talking about like, that's like, it was a cool spot because again, it was dark. It was, the food was great. The ambiance was awesome. And then again, this is pre before it
1: was legal that you're able to like go to a very nice restaurant and smoke weed while you eat, which was just insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, um, now we do it legally at Brooklyn Chappos. I have a rooftop. So everybody mm-hmm. goes up on the roof and they could smoke whatever they want. I mean, the truth is, is that I mean, actually, people frown on cigarettes more than more than they do weed. And especially with the pens, I rather, you know, listen, you know, weed to me is healthier than alcohol.
0: So with, yeah. um, you know, with running an establishment that so many celebrities are flocking to, how do you deal with fans at restaurants when they keep pulling out their phone, wanting to take pictures, but you want to keep this as a a spot where celebs feel comfortable?
1: Yeah, so we always have different entrances. What's great about the Times Square Brooklyn Chop House, when you see the front door, there's a door to the left and a door to the right. If you go two flights down, it's a private room. If you go two flights up, you're on the rooftop, and they're all private dining rooms in between. So I've got I, I I've always designed my restaurants that way where there's a doorway where they don't have to go through the general public.
2: Mm. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. What are your thoughts about these? Uh you know, there's a lot of now that are popping up where it's more membership type. Spots like he well, obviously that's, that's, like a so house, but now they have like the zero bond, which become a big celebrity hotspot. Yeah, what are your Scott, thoughts on this? Scott's yeah. a friend Scott.
1: of mine. He does, he does a great job, but we're going to be the first NFT private supper club in Times Square. We have a private dining room, two levels below ground, and it'll be for NFT members only. And basically, it's going to be the first NFT members only supper club. And uh, we're already we have the, the prices on those memberships are eight thousand, twenty five and one hundred thousand. And each one of them gives you a level of service with a one-time fee. And then you can resell it on the blockchain if you want. So now all of a sudden you have an asset. So if you go to the houses of the World, you pay your $5,000 a year and it just, you know, you write it off, I guess, because there's no value to it. With us is that you're going to pay a one-time fee. That membership, that digital token, you'll be able to sell it on the blockchain. And we just continue to get our 10% when you resell it. But that's the whole concept. Now everything's going to be for us. NFT private seller members only, and that's going to be launched in September.
0: What what would that starting cost be for someone to get in when they when it first sells?
1: It, it's eight thousand, twenty five, and one hundred thousand. There's three tokens. The eight thousand, the eight. I'll give you a breakdown. The eight thousand is general admission. Twenty five thousand allows you a certain amount of reservations a week. The hundred thousand gives you a car service to and from the airport. It will cater your private plane. Uh, it'll give you a car service to and from the hotel. So all of a sudden. We're adding hospitality to NFT. And oh, I wait a I'm... second!
0: You pay a hundred thousand once, and you get once. Yep. unlimited for unlimited. Wow! That actually, as long as
1: the restaurant is the nucleus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're very excited about it because all of a sudden now the customer has an asset. Let's say they do it for two years and like oh, I'm tired of this restaurant, they can go sell it, and that's pretty cool because you can't do that with other private clubs. Yeah, you, know, you, you spend five, six, seven thousand a year. It's really smart. just going down the
0: toilet. Smart, yeah. smart. How do you,
2: what, what, is, what are, how do you deal with the paparazzi or the press? Because I say this with Craig's in LA, obviously it's a celebrity hotspot. There's fans and there's paparazzi outside. You know, obviously promotion is good for you in a in a way. But what's your thoughts on like dealing with like journalists outside or
1: you know again the yeah, the, the, the truth there. is New York we don't have that problem. But when I opened Philippe in LA, it was a big problem. I mean, it was just loaded with paparazzi every time. Um, and But in New York, we don't have that problem. We're not calling them. You know, it's funny. you talk about the reality stars. It's funny. They actually call on themselves. That's <laughs> the funny part. That, that to me was like amazing. It was hilarious where they would actually call on themselves. Because I'd be outside and I'd see like a TMZ out there. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Oh, you know, this momager just called us. And, uh, you know, their daughters are inside having dinner. So we're here to take a picture of them. I'm like, What? <laughs> Wow, I felt
0: like there was some subtle coding there. (laughs) You sure was. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, I I think everyone knows that that is the name of the game when it comes to people need to stay in the headlines. We talk about this all the time on the podcast. It's like, listen, people got to call. They got to stay in the headlines. The best way to do it, they tip off the paparazzi themselves. It is what it is. Who is Who is the best tipper you have ever seen? Consistently, they come in and they're the ones you're like, leave a fatty tip and walk out? Paul McCartney. I got to tell you, Paul
1: McCartney to me is one of the most, he's on a level of his own. Like he'll, he'll actually walk. He's been to every one of my restaurants in every city and every country. And I got to tell you, he would go into the kitchen and thank the kitchen staff. Uh, He would tip everybody big tipper, but he was such a, I I never saw anyone like him ever. And I still have it where he would literally go into the kitchen and thank because we cook vegan for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry vegetarian A- and he was so appreciative he's one of the, I-, I gotta tell you he's like probably the nicest and I- i'm happy to call him my friend but he's one of the nicest people on earth i mean he never wants any kind of like fuss made over him and um i gotta tell you he's i i, I don't think there's anyone close to him when it comes to that type of thing big tipper and more importantly he thanks all my staff
0: yeah i mean and one to- of the <laughs> biggest stars on the entire planet like there is no bigger rock royalty than Paul McCartney. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. Have That's cool. Seen? I love, I love hearing that he, he does that because I, I feel like you're a big star, but if you're going out of your way to make every single person feel good around you, yeah. like it just, it makes you a dope person and a big star. I like that.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's cool about it is I had these guys posters on my walls growing up. And then I'm backstage with my daughters at Roger Waters and Paul McCartney and Bieber and all that, you know, that Bieber wasn't on my wall, but You know, just being able, just being able to do these things for my children is just like, it's you know, mind-boggling to me because these guys like Roger Waters and McCartney are on my you know these are like my top artists of all time, and now they're like you know socializing with my kids backstage before a concert. I mean, those are things I'll take to my grave. Those are memories. Where where
0: can we apply to be one of your children? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, they still laugh about it today. Yeah, they, they still have that little chip on their shoulder. Uh, my daughter's Beatrice. Paul's daughter's Beatrice. So it's a lot It's a lot of fun. Have you seen any wild fights in the restaurant? Oh, that's how, you know, the, the, in my book, it talks about where a party of four, the guy was drunk and he actually physically pushed a waiter. And I, I went to the table, and this is what I always do with like a, a, a customer I just don't like. Um, so there's picture four people in a crowded dining with 200 people around them and the place is full. So what I would do is I would pick up the table and leave them in their four chairs in the middle of a crowded dining room. And I wouldn't even give them warning, pick up the table and that's it. And they're sitting there with four chairs and no table. (laughs) I mean, it's complete humiliation, which is my point. And, and I got to tell you, so one of the guys got up and got nose to nose with me. And then all of a sudden this guy pushes me to the side and says, you put a hand on him, you're going to put a hand on me, too. It's us two against you. And it was Michael Cohen. You know, Michael became one of my close friends ever mm-hmm. since then. But that's how you, you know, that's where, you know, when you own a restaurant, it's pretty cool because I don't know what other industry I can call presidents and ex-presidents and rock and roll royalty and hip-hop legend. And these are like my friends. And, and it's pretty cool because I'm just a restaurant kid from Garden City. And it all started, like I said, I, I really never even knew what a celebrity was.
0: That's so cool. How that's often so cool.
2: did you see prostitutes in the restaurant?
1: Well, that's a hard question because uh, you know you never they all yep. they come in different looks all the time now. But <laughs> I, I don't really, I, I don't pay attention. But uh, you know, she could be a six foot stunner and she could be an escort. Who the hell knows? I see. Um,
2: uh, sir, let me tell you the experience I had, Dax. I uh, so around the corner from uh, Philippe Chow was uh, another restaurant called Nello. Okay yeah. and was, yeah. uh, you know, you, know
1: that's <laughs> you, you, you just hit the mecca of that <laughs>
2: <laughs> no idea having lunch was the former owner of the Brooklyn Nets there was this russian billionaire and he was there yeah. with about the 12 people and it was the restaurant was dead dead yeah. and the, the 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 restaurant storefronts open so you could see into yeah. the restaurant and I'm watching this guy eat there at bottles of champagne. I'm sitting there waiting because I want to interview the owner of the Nets, this guy who's a Brooklyn bill, you know, he's multi-billion. Yeah. yeah. But also in the restaurant, I could see was this blonde woman, very, you know, soft looking, like in the corner. She didn't like it wasn't like a Pam Anderson type look. It was just very like subtle look. She just looked naturally cute. And another woman comes up to me as I'm waiting outside she goes, Excuse me, can you go get my friend? I go, what? Can you get my friend for me? I'm like, I don't work here. Like, go get her. She's like, I can't. Can you just go get my friend? So I'm like, okay. It got weird. So I walk in the restaurant. I put my camera in my bag and I walk in the restaurant. I'm like, excuse me. And she gets startled. I go, your friend's outside waiting for you. And she's like, I'll tell her I'm busy. I'm like, what am I doing here? I walk (laughs) on the street. I'm like, you became became a pimp. That's exactly what happened. She's like, hey, she's busy and i'm like what the fuck is going on next yeah. thing you know the russian billionaire gets off from his table he walks out and the whole like the whole big party walks out the blonde girl runs to the guy and starts to talk to her and starts to like throw herself at him and i'm like oh my god and i just realized these are two hookers either like one's the pimp and the other like this girl uh, that's you know? that,
1: that, that's a common thing it's actually encouraged in the nightlife business in new york where you actually have we call them model wranglers yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're basically B level escorts, uh, and, and actually, people get paid to bring these girls into nightclubs. So unfortunately, thank God I, I was in the nightclub business three times, and thank God I don't deal with promoters anymore because I to me they're the kiss of death of our industry.
2: Yeah, but, uh, do, you, do, do you try to put like hot girl like do you deal the promoter tables and put hot girls in the No,
1: restaurant? that's what's great about Brooklyn Chop House. We don't like I said, promoters. You start putting promoters in your in your restaurants, it's usually the kiss of death. You know, they, all they do is bleed you out and take what they want and then they're gone and they're off to the next place. I will never allow promoters in my restaurant. Never happen. And, and you know, there's a lot of stories of promoters, like club promoters that became restaurateurs, and they had to learn the hard way. The guys I catch, I'm very, very proud of. They owned a yes. bunch of restaurants right after they, they switched from nightclub to restaurants and they didn't work because it was all you'd go in there and it was packed. But every mm-hmm. table was like, you know, a- a- out of a magazine, all beautiful girls. And none of those tables were paying. It was all promoter driven. And you know, and then those guys said, "Hey, this model doesn't work." And that's when they created Catch. And the food is great there, and they finally said, "If you got great food, you got a cool vibe, you got great service, and you got really interesting and warm atmosphere, you'll make it without promoters." Promoters. Anytime you tag a promoter to your restaurant, it just cheapens the brand.
0: Yeah. Now that that totally makes sense. What I want to know, because obviously you've had so many important people dining at your restaurant, what is the biggest business deal that you've seen go down in your restaurant?
1: It was the bio, It was the hostile takeover of um, of a Bank of America. That was a multi billion dollar takeover. And like I said about discretion when we first spoke in the beginning, I'm watching John Paulson, a hedge fund multi billionaire, short of the market. He's taking over Bank of America tomorrow morning and if I was corrupt I'd be buying and shorting and putting that stock left and right. Wow. That's cool. Not shorting. I wouldn't be shorting it. I'd be... No, no, no. no. <laughs> he's a multi I mean he's a multi. So I, I'm witnessing that going down in the private room and this I think was like 2008 or 9. But and,
0: did you, know, you did you realize what it was at that time or you only realized the next day?
1: 100% cuz I knew that they didn't want waiters in there. They, they preset the menu and they didn't want any staff in there. But I had to go down and just say hi to him because I know him. And I look up on the PowerPoint and it says takeover of Bank of America. I'm like, whoa, whoa, maybe I should get out of here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow.
2: um, yeah, that's wild. Oscar De La Hoya, you mentioned in your book and you don't mention too many others. But like you mentioned Oscar De La Hoya, he was a party guy. Um, yeah. You know, what was like his dinners like? Like what was the crowd like? And Oh, my
1: God. I mean, it would be 20 girls, be him and a few of his friends. And, you know, I mean, again, discretion. All I could say it was a lot of fun because I actually partook in a few of them. (laughs) I don't blame you.
2: Uh, No, that's that's is there one. celebrity? I I
1: will tell you, I had a sleepless night when all this shit was getting announced. You know, know, a few years ago, they had pictures of him and whatever. I I lost sleep that night because I thought it was going to be all about Philippe Chow that night. And thank God we were never mentioned. And I, kept, <laughs> I, I, I kept it that way.
0: You're like, I know some things that went down there, but I'm keeping Woo. my mouth closed.
1: Yeah. But you know what? A lot of people, they had fun down there. And again, I'm guilty, too. I mean, I I, I had a lot of fun down there, too.
2: Uh, you know, it's funny, like, New York, I'm, you know, I'm on the, the East Coast. I'm a New York guy. Dax is on the West Coast. But it's like, I don't see, there's not really nightlife. Now, the celebrities still do go to the restaurants. But as far as, like, nightclubs and stuff, celebrities really don't go people in that crowd, they don't really go out. They don't do any of that stuff as much anymore. You know, back in the day during the provocateur days. And before that, you know, you had the Leo and that crew running around. Um, Did you ever have during your experiences besides Madonna and the Tupac, did you ever say like, stop someone saying, Hey, I don't want that person coming back. Was there any celebrities that you said, basically, please don't come back.
1: Yeah, it was um, Bernard Hopkins. Actually, I almost had a fistfight with him, and I didn't know that he was a boxer. And it took like, um, it took uh, Dwight Howard, the owner of the Nets, which was uh, Rabin. um, And it was out in East Hampton, Philippe. uh, They told me that, uh, you know, they ordered about 300 chicken sautés, And they said they didn't order that many. And they said, I fluffed the bill. I said, that's totally impossible because everything goes through a POS system. And I said to Rabin, I think his name was uh, Jason Rabin, total scumbag. And I said, are you questioning my integrity and honesty? You think I'm fluffing a bill? And he got in my face, and I got right back in his face. And then Bernard Hopkins gets in the middle and says, You touch him, you're going to deal with me. And I'm like, Fuck you. I don't give a fuck who you are. I mean, my friend, and my manager's like, Stratus, it's Bernard Hopkins, back the fuck up. And I'm like, I don't care who he is. I'm like, Oh, wait, who is he? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, after that, Rabin, R- Rabin, Jason Rabin, and Bernard Hopkins were not welcome in my places after that. Wow. And then Cuomo I'm- and de Blasio, of course, they're not allowed in my restaurants. Yeah,
2: I get it. I get it. <laughs> I, get it. I get I, I get
1: right. I call him Comrade Cuomo and Mayor Delauzio.
2: Yeah. Did you uh, did you ever have See here's my here's my thing who's the biggest mooch of Manhattan. I feel like the biggest not Anthony Scarmucci, but uh, the biggest mooch, the guy who's just trying to figure trying to get away with much as possible is Busta Rhymes. I always thought he would be the guy to see whatever he could get. And... No,
1: I, I love Buster. We have, a re- we have a great relationship. It started when I owned Sessa nightclub in 99 and his song just came out, Pass the Cavassier. And the funny part was, is that he, he did ask for, he had two shots of Cavassier and the, the, and then the bartender said, you know, he gave him a bill and he was just like looking at it like, you know, you serious? And I said, whoa, what did they say Pass the Cavassier for free? I said, I didn't hear <laughs> that in your song. There's your check. But ever since that, we've been friends ever since. And I saw him like two weeks ago. He's actually
0: a great guy. Well, So I want to know, with getting in this industry, because the restaurant business is very difficult. I think that it's well known that it's difficult. You obviously don't make it look difficult because you've had so much success. But is there truth to be said with having like a hit restaurant, there's there's a short shelf life, five, six years before you have to flip it? And no, turn no. It something that,
1: that's that, that's nightclubs, not, not restaurants. You can go 30, 40, hundred years. No, see, that's what I hate nightclubs because that's a nightclub rule. You
0: mm-hmm. know, you get
1: five or six years out of a nightclub, it's a big success. Restaurants can go forever as long as you got food service and atmosphere have to go hand in hand. If you lose one of those, you will fail, and it doesn't matter what year you're in.
0: Interesting, and, and with Brooklyn Chop House. You know, are you getting just as many celebs into Brooklyn Chop House as you were getting into Philippe Chow?
1: Oh, everybody. Ex- it was an exodus. Everybody left Philippe. They're all they're all at Chop House. They, they follow me because I'm the founder of, Ch- of of Philippe Chow. And I took the chef from there. People think mm. Philippe Chow was the chef. He was like uh, Colonel Sanders. The real chef is Skinny Mai. And Chef Mai is with me now. And he's my chef at Brooklyn Chop House. And he was the best chef that Mr. Chow or Philippe Chow ever had.
0: Interesting. Then what happened with you and
1: Julan? Uh, you were there for a little bit, like you brought you you opened that place. Uh, uh, Julan. So what I did was I had a non compete after Philippe Chow because I broke up with my corrupt partners, um, and basically um, they asked me to like basically come in with Julan as a consultant with like three others, and I'm not good with three or four partners. I'm pretty stubborn, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they call stubborn now disruption. So that you know, so I I, I basically. Created Julon with uh, Bob Collins and, and Richard Romero, and then I just wasn't happy there because I was like one of four, and basically I, I like being control of the whole experience and the whole concept. So I did it because I had really nothing else because I was really that was my low time, and I describe it in my book. It was a really bad time for me, 2013, 14, and 15, and then when I created Julon, it wasn't pa- it wasn't a passion play. It was just money, and uh, with that, I, I sold that in 17. Cause again, the partners were corrupt and I found, I found the best partners I ever found. and happened to be my customers at Philippe Chow was Don Fu Cummings, Robert Cummings and Dave Thomas. We partnered up and I got to tell you, I wish I found them 35 years ago because when you got a good nucleus of partners and everybody knows their lane, it's it's it's, 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 it's so easy to be successful when everybody knows their part and there's mutual love and respect. And yeah, uh, listen, you got to make a lot of money because if you don't make money, believe me, fights will start. But, you know, when you're making money with people that you really love and respect, got to tell you, there's no better feeling and there's no better business.
0: So so what does it take to get on the rooftop of your of uh, uh, Brooklyn Chop house to be so cool not, enough to be to the rooftop?
1: I mean, so right now I'm at a cigar spot and and I, I, there's probably 200 people out there and I know most of them. And it's a place where you could have dinner and you can go up there and smoke, you know, and, and that's really cool, especially for cigar smokers. Um, and, and it's cool. And I got to tell you, uh, any, it's usually mostly like big VIPs and celebs. They'll say, mm-hmm. can we go up, can we smoke anywhere? Yeah. Finish dinner or have dessert on the roof. And you guys are on the roof. You can do whatever you want.
0: But how big cool. of a celeb do you have to be? Like, we no, walked in, we were be, like, Stratus, no, what's up? Or you're going to be like, no.
1: No, no. You know what it is? <laughs> Um, there's 80 seats up there. So it's really about supply and demand. <laughs> not that I'm belittling you, Dax. I swear I'm not. But, <laughs> but I'm sure if we're friends, uh, there'll, there'll be a table for you up, 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 on, up on the roof. Cause I got to tell you, that's part of the lure. I don't, I don't really treat celebrities any different than I treat, you know, people that have been loyal to me. It's all about loyalty to me. Everybody, yeah. all the, all my big spenders and all the celebs left Philippe Chow. They all came to Brooklyn Chop House. And I got to tell you, they've been following me ever since. And to me, that's better than money.
0: Well, Adam, you keep this taper, right? We're gonna go to the Brooklyn Chop House, and we're gonna we're gonna be like, "See, guys, Stratus said so. Anytime. Said we're cool." Anytime. Anytime.
2: <laughs> uh, tell us about your new book, uh, "Be a Disruptor: Streetwise Lessons for Entrepreneurs from Mob to Mandates." What do you want people
1: to walk away from? I'm yeah, So, you know what, for the last yeah. 10, 15 years, people we have like, you should write a book. I know about those mob things and all that. You should really just set the record straight. So I set the record straight. Everything is, everything is so truthful. And I even talk about my flaws and what I've done and whatever. But one thing about me, I'm a documentary freak. I love to read books about business because I have severe ADHD. So if I'm not interested in that topic, I'm not reading it. I'm not watching it. And I got to tell you, every business book I read, it's all supported with analytics and it's starting to get boring because the same analytics are being repeated. Being is about my journey as a New York City entrepreneur or restaurateur from 18 to 54 and all the challenges that came with it, but it's not supported by analytics. It's supported by real stories, like stories that you could actually relate to. And if you, and the book is great from college students to you know senior uh, entrepreneurs of 30 years. Everybody's getting a really good, the, the, the response has been amazing. The, um, the, the reviews are incredible. I got two major networks now talking about the book rights. Um, it's just a really unique experience of how a Greek kid from nowhere all of a sudden is involved in the heart of the most powerful city and dealing with all these different things. And again, it talks about success and failure, but more importantly, it's supported by real stories on both. And that's something that makes Be a Disruptor very unique.
0: That's awesome. And by the way, you can find it on Amazon if you are going out and looking for it, people, because it you know definitely has caught my attention in regards to just seeing how successful you've been and what someone could learn from your book.
1: Yeah, there's not too many books where it's, you know, it starts off with, you know, telling John, John Gotti Jr. to go fuck himself. You know, <laughs> and, and you know and and all this is true. And um and that's what makes Be a Disruptor very unique and obviously now you could see why, you know, people are interested in the TV rights, too, because it's really it really takes you through an interesting journey that's never been told before on the mob perspective as a business perspective and just, you know, maneuvering through the wild west of New York City, pre Giuliani to today's times. And at the end of it, I kind of say I was partners with the mob. I was partners with the NBA Wharton types. And I've dealt with politicians the last two and a half years where I've debated them on every network television on how fucked up they are and how they never run a lemonade stand and they're making small business decisions and they never followed the science, but that's another conversation. <laughs> and I said at the, at the end of the book, basically, I said, the moral of this book is basically if I had to choose a partner out of all three of them, I'd be partners with the mob. And that's
0: the, with the mob you said?
1: yeah, I'd be partners with the mob. If I had to pick the NBA Wharton types, the politicians and the mob, I would be partners with the mob because you know what? They were loyal, they were genuine and you knew what you were getting. Politicians to me are all corrupt. And these NBA Wharton types, you know, they'll, they'll cut your throat for a dollar. And I got to tell you, I never had that experience with the mob. And um, and, and, if you, and if you put that in that perspective, you say, wow. And that's because no one's ever portrayed the mob in this light. My experience was pretty bad with the Gotti juniors of the world, but not with the Ralph Coppolas and the Barney Bolomos of the Genoveses. They were just true gentlemen and true friends, and they were loyal and protective of me. And they never asked for anything in return, and that story's never been told.
0: All right. Well, before we go, Adam, I need you to guess who do you think was the the what was it hip hop royalty oh, going, and the Scarlet having <laughs> sex in the basement of All Philippe right, you Chow? You guys can make
1: a guess. I'm going to go like this while you guess. <laughs> what
0: hip-hop. year do
1: you what What year was it again? 2007.
0: Okay, Adam, what's your guess? Oh man, um,
2: hip hop superstar. I <laughs> look at him. <laughs> man, this is, it, uh, it, it, oh man, Dex. I I mean, I just gotta go with Jay. I mean, I don't Jay-Z know. Jay Z and who? No, Jay, well, no, was he with Beyonce at that time? No,
0: um, th- is that too easy? I, I don't mean, know. I'm going, I'm going P. Diddy and Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Oh, we gotta laugh. I like the laugh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I, I feel like Jay Z. That that's almost that's no, almost too easy. Just, it wouldn't be. I don't think it'd be Beyonce. Who, but who was to be, like, Who Unless of, you had blonde hair.
2: Who was some unless. Hollywood? Who was some hip hop people with who made the trend? You know the.
0: Well, transition. that's what I was trying to figure out. I mean. 2007 though 2007. Like, who, <laughs> who else did jay-z date back in the day
2: you know, it can't be jay-z then it wouldn't be it, the only person would be Beyonce. but uh, you know pete diddy was a good <gasps> uh-oh pete diddy and j-lo
0: oh, <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> you never thought you'd have me silent but i'll tell you that's not that's not it okay all right. That's as far as I'm going.
0: But I but I also think like when I think Hollywood, I think of actress, not musician. I, I, that's yeah, why I'm not, not leaning we're, we're toward We're talking
1: like almost Oscar winning actress.
0: That's why I'm not thinking Beyonce or J-Lo because they're all no, music.
1: No, it wasn't a musician. It was an actress.
0: Oh, God. This is good. This is a fun game. I like this game.
1: <laughs> Nick Lachey had
2: some few rhymes with Vanessa. No, no I'm kidding. Um, so, no, that's great. Listen, the- I'm excited. This book is it's a must read. It's called Be a Disruptor, Streetwise Lessons for Entrepreneurs from the Mobs to Mandates. It's uh go to Amazon, check out Stratus. Thank you so much. Check out and the audio,
1: the audio book was just released as well on audiobooks.com. Very
2: cool. Very cool. Thank you so Thank much. You for
1: having me. I really appreciate it. Philippe Chow is a
2: very, very successful spot. I remember like when I first started doing the job, every single night, that's where all like You knew every night, like that was our Craigs in New York. You could stand up there and just, you knew someone was going to come out from athlete to rapper, musician. Like it was guaranteed, or it was just going to be, or at least if they weren't there, it was always going to be interesting people coming in and out. Mm -hmm. A lot of money.
0: Absolutely. No, 100%. And you know what? This was one of the first people that we've had that are like, they have celebrities every night showing up and that they're interacting with that i feel like he didn't hide away from a lot of the questions you know what i'm saying like a lot of people will ask okay well who's never allowed back in your restaurant and they'll be like oh i don't like talking about that i like that he gave names like yeah that's i think because he is so successful and he is so powerful that he doesn't care he's like oh i can give a name because i don't need these people and i don't need their business in my restaurant anymore
2: exactly the the food the restaurant (laughs) the speaks for itself, and that's why the people continue to come back. They don't come – you know, they do come back for him, but they also come back for the great experiences, which he gives. You know, he knows the vibe. He's been doing it for a long time, so he knows what he's doing. Uh, But with that, people, make sure you check out our podcast. We are on YouTube, the Hollywood Raw Podcast. We're also on Instagram. Follow us at at Hollywood Raw Pod, P-O-D. We're on TikTok. We're on Facebook. We also have this private Facebook group where we give all the dirt that we can't give – on the podcast because we'll get sued, but we'll answer all your questions. Interact with us. Uh, What's that private Facebook group called, Dax? It's
0: called Off the Record.
2: It's very cool. Off the Record. Follow us on Facebook. Follow me at at Adam Glenn. Follow Dax Holt at Dax Holt. See you guys next time.
0: A Huda Media Production.